welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Katie. Hey there, I'm Brittany. And uh, this week uh, on the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we watched a movie that I picked, and I'm sorry, Brittany. We picked a movie. I picked the movie. I have to take responsibility for this. I picked Dogtooth. Um, the well, it's it was originally released in 2009, but I don't think it got released in, in America until 2010. So everything says 2010. Uh, Greek movie by Yorgos Lanthimos, who everyone probably knows because the favorite two years ago won a bunch of Oscars, deservingly so. He he's made two dark comedies. And then he made a drama that I saw called The Sa- the Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I always want to call The Sacred Killing of a Deer, but that's <laughs> not the title. It's just really long. And I saw that. That was my first Yorgos Lanthimos movie I saw. And I saw it, I, th- I think, last year. And I saw it by myself. And it was very disturbing, but nowhere near as disturbing as Dogtooth. Yeah. How, how do you feel, Brittany? I'm really sorry I made us watch this. I want to give everyone a big, like, disclaimer that this movie, me and I think Brittany feels the same way, was much more disturbing than I thought it was going to be. And personally, it's unsettled me quite a bit. Yeah, um, I was actually really, really excited because, um, guys, so usually um, I'll let you know, me and Katie do most of our talking. We save a lot of our talking for our podcast. And so um, usually, like, Katie will, like, check in be like, oh, did you watch this? And I'm like, yeah. And then she'll be like, I can't wait to talk about it. Um, yeah. This was the first time, and I think we're on episode eight, if I'm not mistaken. So we're actually on episode nine. Oh, my goodness. Well, yes. in, in nine nine episodes and nine weeks of filming, um, this was the first time that I think Katie was disturbed by a movie enough that she actually really wanted to talk about it. Like, she wanted to talk well, about it for the podcast. <laughs> I also, like, I, I didn't, I didn't. I more felt bad because I, I also suggested Climax. I felt really bad because then I also was like, let's watch Dogtooth because I've never seen it and Brittany's never seen it. And I just like, I watched it by myself because that's what I do. I watch them. I think Brittany, you usually watch yours by yourself too. I do. Yes. Yeah. So, and I just was like, oh shit. I didn't realize that it was going <laughs> to be this bad. And I remember my boyfriend called me because he was at work and I was watching it while he was at work and he's like, what's up? And I was like, oh, I just finished the movie. And he's like, what's wrong? And I told him about one specific part. And if you haven't seen the movie, it it sounds kind of funny because it sounds cartoonish. And he was like, that sounds ridiculous. And I was like, no, no, no. It's awful. Like, it was awful. I felt like I was watching a documentary on familial abuse. So I felt like I had to tell Brittany because... (laughs) She was, I remember you were like, uh, cause also because like I was editing Climax, the episode 
the week, you know, while I was doing, not at the same time, but the same week. So, like, I was like, Brittany's like, yeah, this one was really weird, and I didn't like it. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to scar Brittany <laughs> for life again. Oh, no. Which is is presumptuous, because I know you watch just as many weird movies as I do. <laughs> but I felt really bad, because if, like, I watch, you do this, too. We both watch dark movies, and they don't bother us, because we know it's just a movie. Yes. But... I didn't, I felt like, I was like, is this crossing a line? Have I, like, done something? Because I honestly had no idea how bad this movie was because I had kept myself in the dark about it. You know, and how I feel about it is that maybe if I wasn't familiar, because um, this was my third um, Yargo movie I have seen. I had seen The Favorite, and I have seen um, The Lobster. And so I kind of knew his style a little bit, and I kind of know he's a little bit, he goes there in his movies. Like, he does a lot of uncomfortable things um, in his films. So, I think yeah. I, I was mentally prepared for that. And then, Katie, you probably ran across, because um, we had discussed that Dogtooth was one of those movies you hear about a lot. Like, when you're listening to movie lists or you're reading about movies, usually Dogtooth pops up here and there. So, I knew it was one of those ones I had to see, but I didn't know there were some things in the movie that were minor spoilers for me that I was like, okay, these are things that luckily I knew about. I felt like you probably went in a little bit more blinded than I did. I, I think I've avoided all of the reviews about it. Like I've seen people like, I like to watch uh, your movie. I think I've mentioned him on the podcast. I don't know if sometimes I mention things and then I end up having to edit them out for time. So I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on the podcast that you're listening to. If it got edited out. Um, but yourmoviesucks.org mm. has done a lot of, he has like a, a top 10 most disturbing movies. And I don't think Dogtooth is actually on it, but he had this on his top 10 movies of 2010 list and he didn't really spoil it. So I think maybe I've just been lucky the people that I watch haven't spoiled it for me. The only thing I really knew going into this movie was that it was about a family and they were isolated their entire lives and how, and that some outsider comes in and kind of disrupts their existence. But that's really all I knew. And that's basically what the synopsis says. So I, I really went in pretty blind, which generally like we just talked about last week with fight club. I feel like it ruined the movie for me knowing stuff about it. Yet this movie, I'm like, maybe I should have ruined something because this one, you know, you never know with movies what you're going to get. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess I'll go into like what this movie's about. Just for y'all who are uninitiated into it. I did write a synopsis for this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be. Brittany writes better synopses, no. synopsis, synopses than I. <laughs> So it may not it may not sound as pretty. Okay, so Dogtooth is a Greek film released in 2009 or 2010, and it was co-written and directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, sir. I think I am. Um, basically, a man and his wife have kept their three adult children in complete isolation. The movies they watch are only family-made films. The vocabulary they learn is rearranged by their parents. And the only contact to the outside world they get is in the form of a young woman named Christina who is brought in to surface the sun sexually. 
a frustrated and ignorant Christina interacts with the older daughter, who in turn uses Christina to view the outside world, which turns into a nightmare because what follows is a disturbing cautionary tale of what happens when we go too far to protect the ones we love. Basically. And that's, I mean, that's pretty spoiler free. Uh, but basically there are these children who aren't really children. They're adults, but children of these, uh, probably in their sixties parents. And they live in this very beautiful little, uh, I would call it like a country home. It like has a gate all the way around it. Like a like kind of like it's in Greece, but it kind of reminds me of like rich people in the Hollywood Hills. It's like, like a compound, right? It is kind of like a compound, but it's a beautiful house. They have a pool. And apparently, like, because the movie's so claustrophobic, because it basically stays in like two places. There's just the dad's work, because he's the only one that leaves the house and then there's the house and they they got this beautiful house with a pool and it's gorgeous but um it's the only thing the kids ever know and it just basically is kind of a disturbing movie after that because sheltering your kids is not the best thing for them most of the time at least not when they're adults which i don't know if you thought this Brittany, but the first time I read about this movie. First of all, I kept getting it confused with the movie Gummo, which I still haven't seen. Because from the side of the picture of the girl in all of the, like, she, there's a profile picture of their, I mean, it's, it's on all the posters. Like, there's blood on her face. She looks a lot blonder in that picture than she is in the movie. Like, she's kind of, like, dark blonde like me. Um, but she looks a lot blonder. And I thought it was Chloe Sevigny who I think her partner, boyfriend, I don't really know what their relationship status, but someone she was dating made Gummo and a bunch of other movies that she's been in. And she's, you know, she's one of these actresses that does a bunch of random stuff. She'll do anything. Yeah. Um, in a good way, not in a bad way. She's just, like, open for anything. Very versatile. Yes, yes. I really like her a lot. Um, although she does, sometimes she's in movies that are trash. But you know what? It's fine. I, you're working and that's all that matters. Um, but I thought that it was her, and then, like, I looked at it closer, I was like, oh, that's not her. So, I knew both those were, and they're both on, like, disturbing movie lists, so I just, like, melded them together in my stupid brain, basically. <laughs> so, I didn't understand that they were adult children. I thought they were teenagers, which, I guess because of the content, they probably couldn't have had children be in this movie, because there's a lot of adult content in it more than I thought was going to happen. I think um, when I looked that up, I'm glad you brought that up because what I've learned the hard way is that with actors is really hard to tell their ages too. Cause there's been some movies where I'm like, Oh, she's like in her early twenties. And it's like, Oh no, she was 17 when she filmed this movie. She just looks older. And you have that opposite where you'll see 30 year old actors, not always convincingly playing high schoolers in TV shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I actually looked up their ages because I too was curious about like how old they were. And the actress who played the youngest daughter was 19 at the start of filming, um, which I thought I was like, okay, like yeah. to me, like, you could see someone maybe their late teens and early 20s, these situations potentially happening. Did you feel yeah. that way? Yeah, I mean, she looked the youngest. And mm-hmm. sadly, this is really sad. I don't know if you read this, but that actress has passed away. I did not know that. The actress she, that played the youngest daughter? She died. Yeah, she. her name's Mary Tesori? I wrote it down. Because I was I, like, she's Tesoni. 
married to Sony, and she passed away just before her 30th birthday. So that's really it tragic. It is really tragic. Now, I did read that she was, um, she'd never acted before this movie, and she was a singer of a punk band. Did you read that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So she had passed away, um, but I thought, I was like, when I read the synopsis, again, I kept myself blind, so I thought we were dealing with younger people. I'm glad they were all adults when the movie was filmed, um, but I think, I'm, I'm guessing they're putting the ages of the children between, like, I'm guessing they mean for the youngest daughter to be, like, 17, 18. Yeah. And so. then, yeah, maybe the oldest. I think someone said the girl was the oldest and the son was a middle child, but yeah. I'm not really sure. I feel like, like I read that, too, that the son was supposed to be the middle as well. Yeah. But he seems like maybe he looks a little older than her, but he's also just very tall. So, because both the girls are kind of shorter. Um, so it could just be that. Um, but I think they're not supposed to be older than I would say 25. Yeah. But he does look like he might be 30, honestly. Like, and then they've got the mysterious brother, which I guess let's not get into that yet because no spoilers. Um, but yeah, it was, I'm, they're more adult children, which, made some of the things happening in the movie harder to interpret maybe more into a gray territory than I thought it would be like there's some stuff that they do that in my head because I'm a grown adult you know I'm thinking the same way I view like a Logan Paul video where I'm like you're an adult you're 23 you should not be doing that that is not the way to act but then I'm like but they don't know anything else, so yeah. I can't really fault them. So it's a very interesting movie. It reminds me, I had a, there was a great quote from, because Roger Ebert actually was still alive when this movie came out. So he actually did rate this movie. He actually gave it three stars, which I thought was pretty generous of him since, like, he used to rate all horror movies, like, one star. Um, but he uh, gave it three stars when it came out. And then this is my favorite quote. This is a quote from RogerEbert.com, his review of this. He said, Dogtooth is a bizarre fantasy that takes the concept of homeschooling to squirmy extremes. Which I was like, yep. Yep. Because I don't know about where you guys live, but in the South, a lot of people homeschool their kids. And I don't know, maybe it's just where I grew up, but I had a lot of homeschool friends. And there's nothing wrong with homeschooling I had like one group of friends where like one of their oldest child had a really bad experience in public school and the mom worked from home so she decided to homeschool everybody but they still made their kids interact with other children yes. and they were all and they had gone to school before it wasn't like they were cut off from other kids and so they all like grew up and are perfectly normal children it was just more of a schooling issue than like a I want to shelter my children issue I, and then I, I can speak on that too because I was actually homeschooled for two years and okay um, yeah so, you actually yeah. were in the trenches <laughs> so what happened with uh, me is that I was I was in normal schooling um, until I was in fifth grade and we moved around a lot and um, I was in a Kentucky school um, I, I'm originally from Indiana I was actually in a Kentucky public school and um, there, we, it was fifth graders, but there was a lot of not very good things happening in the school and like kids getting in fights and stuff, which kids get in fights everywhere. But 
there was two boys that got into a fight and a substitute teacher in my class had tried to break them up and one broke her hand. And wow. oh yeah. Oh my God. That's so, awful. Mom was like very, she was like, I'm going to try to homeschool the kids, blah, 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 blah. She just felt we weren't getting the enrichment that we needed. So yeah. I had a very interesting uh, family life. My dad was a primarily a stay-at-home dad and my mom worked, but she would homeschool us. So this is what happened is that we got very, my mom's brilliant. Um, she loves reading. So we read a lot of books. We had a journal we had to write in. Um, you know, we learned a lot about history. We went on field trips. Um, and when I tested back into public schooling, I actually had very, very high um, levels in history and English and reading. But I was way below in math because my mom was not good at math and she was not good at teaching me math. But that's like, that's a reasonable reason to homeschool your children, though. I mean, I just like, I just worry about kids that are that sheltered. And I can't imagine if I like had never heard someone curse or something. Like, I know. It's crazy. I think um, bouncing off the homeschool thing, I know like a lot of people say homeschool kids are weird, but I was weird before I was ever homeschooled. Um, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just I mean... Person. Um, so I don't think homeschool made it weirder for me. Um, that's just me personally. Now, I do know a lot of kids that were homeschooled, and I think it all depends yeah. on the homeschool structure. Because one does. of my... Real- one of my good friends was homeschooled her entire life, but there was like four different moms that all taught like a group of four kids. So, you know, and she, yeah. she thrived in college. So I think it just kind of depends on the social setting the kids are in. Like you combining, and I went to religious school, but there's something about if you already have a very, very conservative religious structure, or even if I don't, if, if religion's even not a factor, but you're just very conservative with your children, like, no drinking, no caffeine, no smoking. No, Well, I, I don't like smoking, but you know, I mean, like nothing. Like if you live like, I'm sorry, Mormons, but if you have like, you know, Mormons, like they don't even have caffeine. Like I, that I think is just closing you off so much that you're never going to experience the word world fully. And it makes me sad for people who have that experience because I'm just like like what happens when you want to like view the world fully like but like what happens if like you want to drink some alcohol as an adult and your family isn't okay with that are they going to shun you and that's I don't know I was getting homeschool vibes this whole thing (laughs) this whole movie I was just like oh my god this is so like oppressive and I I'm not even like I'm not even that much of like a let your kids do whatever they want. I do think you should discipline children if they're misbehaving, but you shouldn't treat them like a science experiment, which is what the people in this movie do. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think that's what bothered me the most about it <laughs> was was the fact that, yeah, these people just treat their children like a science experiment. Um, I guess, do we, let's do if we want to recommend anybody to this movie, and then we'll go spoiler-free. Uh, you go first, Brittany, because I just went on a tangent. <laughs> you could. I love it. Um, I actually would recommend this movie. Um, that being said, I would not recommend if someone was just like, I don't like violence. You know, I don't want to be. If someone, like, my mom is one of those people that she's like, she wants to watch a movie and be happy. She doesn't want to watch a movie and, you know, see someone get abused or hurt, which I mean, I don't think anyone sets out to watch a movie and just get enjoyment from someone being emotionally 
abused or manipulated or physically abused. But I think there is really thought-provoking ideas um, that happens in this movie. And it's definitely a great conversational piece. So um, I would recommend it. I, I would I would say if you watch Large Von Trier, if you watch Michael Hankey film, <laughs> um then i mean this this is going to be a piece of cake for you like like i know that's awful to say that doesn't mean that it's a movie for everyone um but if you love film i i would say definitely watch it once just watch it once so yeah i i mean i'm gonna agree and disagree with you i think i too think if you like films and you want to be a filmmaker it's kind of like how i felt about climax it's a well-made movie. Like, my parents, I was trying to explain. Like, I told them to watch Hereditary because my mom loves Tony <laughs> Collette. And I knew they could handle it. I don't think my dad liked it as much. But they at least, like, were talking about it with me after they watched it. You know? And, like, my mom was like, I kind of want to watch The Nightingale. But I really don't want to watch someone get raped multiple times. And I was like, you know what? I, I, The Nightingale... Because that's what everyone has brought up the Nightingale to me when that I've talked to about this movie disturbing me. All of my friends that I was like, oh, this movie messed me up. Even my friend Kat, my friend Kat, I love you, Kat. And she's actually been like listening to the podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast. Kat is my absolute like oldest best friend. Where was I? What was I saying? Um, we were talking about uh, you recommending this movie and why you would, yes. and, like, you would agree and disagree. Yes, every like I agree that if you like films and you can handle disturbing movies, I would say watch it. But just the fact that I got really unnerved kind of worries me because I feel like I'm pretty like tough when it comes to movies. And the fact that the violence that happens, there is a lot of violence in this movie, and the violence that happens does not cut away. You actually have to endure it with the characters, which makes it powerful but it's definitely i wouldn't call it tasteful but yeah. my parents were talking to me about it and they're like what movie are you reviewing this week and i told them and i was kind of explaining why this one i wouldn't recommend they see it and they were just kind of like well is that a it doesn't sound like a very good movie i'm like no, no no it's a good movie it's well made it's well acted it's an interesting idea it's just really rough and I kind of thought it was going to be more of a, like, funny, like, not funny, but, like, darkly humor movie. Like, like maybe there would be some, like, funny jokes. I think there are some jokes, but I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be laughing or not. Um, that being said, I agree with Roger Ebert because he also said it's like a car wreck and you can't look away. Yeah. So, I, I do think, you know... I don't know if you if you like movies and you're okay with disturbing content, definitely watch it. But it's proceed with caution on this one. You know, I kind of don't recommend it to the general public personally because I just I don't know. I had a really weird reaction to this movie. But yeah, that being said, uh, let's go to spoilers. Um, I did write some some lovely questions to ask ourselves. Uh, I don't know. We're trying something new every week. Uh, we'll see if the questions help us. Uh, we help love us feedback. I, I was about to say, and this is the part. Oh where yeah, we love we love feedback. So if you're like, I like the questions, it's like let us know because then we can tell us. Um, anyways, so the first question is, of course, 
well, hmm, the first one I wrote down is kind of heavy. Um, so I guess to get into spoilers, if you haven't seen this movie, but you don't care about spoilers, um, basically what happens is this is so weird. Uh, so the the dad goes to work every day, and they've constructed this whole alternate reality for their children where the outside world is dangerous and you can only leave the compound in a car or else you'll be killed by house cats because they are your ultimate enemy. Um, Then they tell them that they had a brother who left the compound and is living in the wilderness. So they keep like throwing things over the wall to feed their brother. Um, And then, like, they fake kill the brother eventually to keep them all, like, afraid of going outside. Um, It basically, like, reminded me of a really sick game of The Floor is Lava. Because they were just like, don't go outside. Um, Basically, the reason the movie's called Dogtooth is they tell the children that you'll know that you're ready to leave the nest, basically, if you lose one of your dog teeth. Your canines, the little pointy ones. And uh, I'm not very pointy, but it's, you know, it's that one. Um, But you won't be able to learn how to drive and therefore actually leave the compound until it grows back, which is never going to happen. But they don't know that because they've completely controlled all of their education. Um, They basically only have movies that they've filmed themselves, like home movies. Um... And, well, I guess the parents do have other films because we see them watching some very adult films. There's one scene where the parents are, like, sitting on the couch. The mom's just, like, boobs akimbo. And the dad, I can't, oh, he he keeps, like, there's so many dicks and tits and bush in this movie that is just very casual. And, I mean, I guess it's kind of real, like, you know, in real life, people don't worry about, like, covering themselves. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, having a conversation about a new psychological torture for their children. They're like, let's lie to the kids and say I'm having triplets and a, one of them's the dog that we're gonna adopt in a couple weeks. I was like, what the fuck? And they're watching porn. And, like, I, it didn't hit me for a second. And so, yeah. like, I was like, what's that? Oh, that's just a big old dick and some lady licking it. Okay. Because I guess they just hang out and watch porn. Uh, which leads to a very funny scene in their dining room where the daughter asks their mom what she she sees one of the porn tapes and I guess it had the word pussy on it and she's like what's a pussy and she's like I think what does she tell her she tells oh her it's like God. I it it's oh it's not a bird is it I remember a zombie is a yellow flower but it's like a zombie oh. is a yellow flower yeah they make up they tell them vocabulary lessons and like they say like. They tell you that your vagina is oh. called your keyboard. Oh, pussy's a light because is it? Oh like yeah, it's a light. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole different language. So basically, the kids are all isolated. They treat the daughters like they're still ten, and the son. They hire a lady who works with the dad at his job. She's a security guard to like service him sexually, and her name's Christina. And she doesn't seem to really care about them. She seems to kind of care about the the oldest sister who gives... Nobody's ever named. They're all anonymous. They don't give their children names because obviously they don't care about them. 
And she does name herself Bruce, so I'm just going to call her Bruce because I, I don't remember why she called herself Bruce. I think it might have been a reference to Jaws, but they don't actually call Jaws Bruce, but that is that's what they the, call the mechanical shark. That's exactly what I was thinking because I was like, we know she watches Jaws and Rocky and Flashdance, and to me, Bruce is the mechanical shark. So, But I was thinking... It's funny because I had that exact same thought process where I'm like, well, we don't know the shark is named Bruce, but yeah, we not unless you know Bruce. Yeah. Unless it was like a VHS that had special features. Oh, yeah. You know? So basically, like, Christina wants the brother to uh, service her orally. I'm trying to say it in like a nice way. Uh, she doesn't say it in a nice way. Uh, but she goes, he doesn't want to, and she's getting paid to make him happy. So she's like, okay, but I guess she just really wanted to be serviced orally. So she goes into Bruce's room, who they're kind of friends. Like every time she comes over, they kind of hang out and stuff. And she seems, she seems to kind of like her, but not really like her. And she basically trades a hairband for sex, but she just says, Hey, will you lick me? And she's like, okay, because she doesn't really, they all seem very asexual. Even the son, you do see them having sex. It's a very mechanical act. He doesn't seem to have a lot of pleasure doing it or want to bring pleasure to anybody else. Nobody seems to enjoy sex at all, except for the parents. And they, she licks her and then she asks her sister to lick her shoulder because she doesn't understand that licking your shoulder does not cause the same feelings as licking your light bulb and what i can't help but think too is like what's so uncomfortable about us watching it and that scene with the shoulder licking it's like okay a shoulder that's not like a sexual organ but it's the fact that there's a eroticism to it that's unknown Uh, it's unknown by them they don't realize it's erotic because it's like they're they're stunted almost like children it's almost like when you tell a kid to do something and kids just do it because they don't question anything behind it. That's like, I, what, so one of my questions I wrote down, because uh, we can get to the rest of the plot soon, but was, can we blame the children for basically committing incest? Because they do full on commit incest, but they're not, I don't know, they just seem so asexual and like they don't really understand it, which is bizarre because they're all adults. Yeah. Like, I think definitely not because it's like one, I, you know, it, if it's not explicitly told to them at a young age or if there's nothing they see that's like, you know, like this is not meant to happen between family members, then no. Another thing is I feel like in works that you do see incest present in is usually like the main, the most mainstream incest work I can think of is the like the um, Flowers in the Attic book and movie. I like, haven't seen the movie, but... I've read enough synopses to know that I don't know if I want to watch it, but I know what you're talking about. Well, it was, like, huge in the 70s, and it's, like, a whole book series. And the main reason the brother and sister end up falling in love is because they're stuck in the attic with each other mm-hmm. for years. So, I mean, surely if yeah. you're supposed to know other humans your entire life and you are a human, your hormones just take over at some point. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, none of them, the, the thing that complicates it is that, None of them seem to be sexually driven at all. Like, I, you know, any teenager, by the time you reach 
adulthood have probably had some kind of sexual feeling, even if you haven't had a sexual encounter. Like most people, your hormones drive you a little bit, even if you like don't meet another person. I just, I feel like at some point one of them would have touched themselves at some point. Like, but it seems like they haven't, which is why I feel like it was written with younger children in mind, like, but they couldn't do that. And so they made them adult so they could do everything fully. Because if you had tried to do this plot with actual children, I, I just, ugh, I don't, I think people would have a totally different view on it. Yeah. Um, but I guess we're just supposed to, it's kind of the suspension of disbelief. But yeah. yeah. Because, you know, my very first note in this movie is we see the um, sex scene between Christina and um, the, the son. And like you said, it's very mechanical. There's no, like, raw emotion, no nothing there, really. It's just essentially fucking. Um, and I can't help but think if I was, I wouldn't like, even call it fucking. It's just yeah. intercourse. Yeah. And Boring, so, gross word for it. <laughs> yeah. Because, so like, fucking's, I, like... Primal, maybe? Or passionate, right? Yeah, like, okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Right. I think it depends on your definition of sexual encounters. <laughs> you know, I'm not an expert. I'm not Dr. Ruth. <laughs> the very first note I have was, is there no safe sex? Because I'm like, unless Christina's on birth control, there's no condom, there's no nothing. Yeah, and Christina doesn't, I mean, I'm not trying to judge Christina, but yeah. is he the only person she's sleeping with? Or is she sleeping yeah. with multiple people? It does seem weird that they don't, because they don't really give a time period. And it's hard to tell Greece's economy has been in the gutter for a very long time. It's kind of like, it's not as bad as Cuba, but I'm just saying like, they probably don't have, not everybody has the newest cars and the newest technology. And I couldn't figure out if he had an old car to keep up the ruse with the children, or if it was supposed to be set like in the 70s. It couldn't be the 70s because of VHS, but like all the movies that they watch, I think Flashdance is probably the newest one. Yeah. The daughter ends up getting is Flashdance, Jaws, and Rocky. Those are all before the 90s. So I'm not sure if it's supposed to take place in the 90s. Um, but certainly in the 90s, the AIDS crisis was going on. So you would wear a condom. Um, and but I'm, I was just curious. I thought maybe too, because um, I've heard this before and I can't remember where I read this, but there's certain things that hit other countries. Like I read somewhere that it was like, oh, it may be the 2000s really in this country, but it's like the American 80s right. have hit it because it's like, you know, things come and go in waves. So I didn't yeah. know if it was like maybe those movies were just having a research in Greece or if it was like maybe Christina is just a movie fan and she was writing, writing some classics. Like, I'm not really maybe. sure. And they're VHS. They're not DVDs. Um, and the movie was filmed in 2008 or 2009. I think it was at the 2009 Cannes Film Festival, but the 2010 Academy Awards. So, like, I think the official release date they usually put on IMDb is whenever it was released in America because um, it's an American website, I do believe, which makes sense. Um, yeah, it's hard to know because, like, like Cuba, everyone drives, like, 1950s cars because their trade has been closed for such a long time because of... I don't even want to get into politics, but it's just yeah. things hit different places at different times. Or it's like that, that funny episode of uh, How I Met Your Mother where 
they finally discover that Robin was a teenage Canadian yeah. pop star and they do the let's go to the mall and they're like, wait, what year is this? She's like, oh, this is like 1993, but you know, the 80s didn't hit Canada until the mid 90s. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. So like, you know, it could be that or maybe they're setting it. I don't, I didn't live in Greece in 2008, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, or maybe like, but all of, it could just be that they're trying to keep up the ghost you know of yeah no like this is technology because if they change anything like if you got a tv that automatically picked up satellite television then your kids can watch satellite television yeah you know and it just makes me wonder how long they could keep this ruse up you know but i don't think i don't think you can truly blame the children for committing incest it's just it's very uncomfortable. The licking stuff was really uncomfortable. And then, so, like, basically, they... Christina is trading things for sexual favors with Bruce, the older girl. And she has these VHS tapes. And Bruce was like, whatever whatever she... I think she was trying to give her hair gel or something. Yeah. She's like, that's not good enough. I want the movies. And they're like library movies so she's like hey but you have to return them to me and i you know but i guess she just i like this is there no one else in her life that she can have service her sexually orally like why do you have to have it with somebody like i don't know it just seems like she's taking she knows that she's taking advantage of those people it's like she's not an innocent person but she's not i don't i don't know if she fully understands the depth of this thing because she talks about things like pop culture references like zombies and she asks them like you know what that is right and they're like oh yeah of course they do because they don't want to sound stupid but like you can tell the way they act like something is not right something is very wrong but yeah. she apparently doesn't care and is just like oh okay like I'm just gonna have sex it's almost like taking advantage of a child or like someone who has like the developmental age of a child, but maybe the physical body of an adult. But the son is definitely like the parents, like child that's most like he's most conforming. Like he doesn't yeah, really, he doesn't, go but he's it. getting sex too. Yeah. Like he's getting to ejaculate on a weekly basis. So I, it's so rude that they don't like, why can't they have someone for their daughters or I why don't they just let Christina service everybody? I don't know. I guess they're, like, more worried about, like, his primal urges than theirs is what it feels like, um, which I guess that would be a whole different thing to talk about, how I well, guess they're afraid he's going to run away if he doesn't get some. I don't know. I At first, I thought it was more of they're trying to prevent incest by servicing the son because they probably think, because this is a viewpoint people have, that men are sexually driven and if you deprive them of sex, they will attack women or ha- try to have sex. They probably thought he was going to try to have sex with his sisters is what I was thinking originally. So I was like, I guess it makes sense. But, like, I still don't understand why you can't be, you know, fair to your daughters and get them some sexual gratification. I mean, they're, like, adults. Um, but then when Christina doesn't work out, because basically they're like... They find the VHS tapes, which this was the worst two scenes for me until the 
the last scene that was the worst. But these two scenes really hit me hard because there's some violence in the movie. Like, they're so childish, but because they're adults, it's just so harmful. Like, they get into this spat about something very trivial, and one of the daughters, like, takes a butcher knife and slices her brother's arm because she's pissed at him. And she acts like a five-year-old, and it's like, well, that's because you're treated like a five-year-old. Of course you're going to have that maturity level. But it's like, you know, a little kid. Remember, like, that vine of that little boy running around the pool, and his mom's like, what do you have? And he's like, a knife! And she's like, oh, no! Like, that's funny. Like, he could hurt someone, but probably not terribly because he's, like, four. But when you're an adult and you decide to stab your brother because you're upset, that's really harmful. Well, yeah, like and you grew up with siblings and it's exactly like children that's what they are it's like you know when it's like my brother um my brother I mean multiple times he I don't think he meant to hurt me because he just wanted to really hurt me I think it's just he was mad and he wanted to do something I like my sister was really good at the psychological torture and me and my brother weren't as good at it so we would just like push each other like physically like we were more physical fighters and uh but, I mean, again, like, that's probably the worst thing that one of us did to the other. I think I scratched my sister's face once. And <laughs> one time we almost fell down the stairs because we were fighting at the top of the stairs. But we didn't. Thank God. But, I mean, like, that's all, like, everyone's, like, accidentally punched their sibling too hard. Yeah. And then you feel bad about it. And then you have to apologize. And then years later, you're like, oh, shit, that was really stupid. <laughs> but... Um, but like we were children, so it really wasn't, you know, that big of a deal. Back to the movie. Um, so Christina's trading like sexual favors. And again, like, I think maybe they're letting Christina sexually service him so he doesn't have incest with his siblings. But when they find the VHS tapes... The dad is like, this, oh, I hated this scene. Um, He basically is like, hey, get me the duct tape. Which, you know, if I'm going to be nitpicky, that wasn't duct tape. That was like masking tape but or packing tape. But whatever, it's fine. It was probably a translation issue. Um, He's like, get me the duct tape. And he tapes the VHS tapes to his hand and just beats her over the head. And I just didn't, like, they don't cut away. And I don't know what they did if it was a camera track or if it was actually something very soft or she just took them but it was really disturbing to watch and I really was like felt every blow and it's it doesn't stop he just keeps hitting her for a while it's not bloody but it's just really disturbing to see someone just hit with a lot of strength someone else because she also like you can tell she's taking the hits and it's like you said it feels real like when you're watching it it looks real and the sound is awful and she just sits there and you can see her shake but she takes it and then then okay so that one was really bad but then like the next scene i think or maybe two scenes later he goes to christina's apartment they're having a perfectly civilized conversation and he just walks over to her vcr unplugs it and, like, smashes her over the head and yep. then just leaves the apartment. She, I, I have a feeling she probably survived it, but is going to have severe brain trauma. Um, but I guess she, because nobody comes after the father. So, obviously, like, she's not dead. 
Yeah, uh-uh. and he even asked her, it's really messed up, because he even asked her if she lives alone, and she's like, yeah, I live alone, and my parents live, like, two floors above me, but yeah, this is my house, and so, like, he leaves her there knowing no one's probably going to find her anytime well, soon. Well, but maybe he called her parents, though. They probably went to check on her. I don't know. It's pretty messed up. Um, but so, basically, they're like, I don't understand why they didn't just, like, not hit her over the head. And just let her stay because then they're like, well, I guess we can't trust anyone at all from the outside. So, son, you got to choose which sister you sleep with. And that's the weird, a weird scene because they're just all in the, he has his eyes closed. Both of his sisters and him, they're all, why did he have to be naked, by the way? I don't know why he had to be naked, but they're all in the bathtub naked. And he just, like, feels everybody's bodies and is like, whose body do I like more? And he chooses the older sister, like, in a blind choosing. It's like a weird Pepsi challenge. And the mom just, like, kind of gets her ready to have sex with her brother. And then they show it. Yeah. And And there's no condom there either. So I'm like. Yeah. And there's also, like. Did no one tell, like, if this is her first time having sex, it's generally not very comfortable for most people. And she's obviously not comfortable in her, like, none of them have empathy for each other. So, like, they do care about one another. Like, they're always, like, hugging each other, like, a little too close, because, well. But, like, they are, like, they care about each other. They seem to. But also, like, they don't really have empathy because if you had to have a sex, like, I'm going to say this, like, the brother probably felt like he was compelled to have sex with his sister. There wasn't a way out of it. He doesn't really seem to care when she's obviously uncomfortable and in pain. Like, wouldn't, it's like the whole uh, Tyrion and Sansa thing. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to have sex with you, but I'm a good person. So I'm going to let you come to me. Like, you know, you think if you were a good person, innately, you would still feel empathy for your sibling, for anyone in pain. But it's this whole, like, philosophical thing where, like, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, like, I went to, like, Catholic school, so we talk, (laughs) I feel like I'm always bringing up Catholic school. But, like, you have to learn about religion and morality. I don't know if they teach people that, honestly, unless you take philosophy in public school. But, like, I remember a big thing was, like, are people born bad? And they have to learn to be good, or is everybody innately good, and everyone has a sympathetic conscience? And personally, I think people are born with a conscience, and things in their life, either by choice or by circumstance, changes their conscience, either for the better or worse. There are things like mental illness that come into play, so it's it's not a hard and fast rule. I just happen to think everybody has good in them, I guess. That's a better way to say it. And also, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, oh, no, you're good. You're good. Um, I think with the brother, I I, I think because there's such an um, emotional, he's so emotionally stunted that I think what it is is that his parents told him to have sex with his sister. He's like, this is what I do. This is our life. Like, he does what his parents tell him to do. And there's really uh-huh. nothing beyond that so I and I think with Bruce the only reason she sees different is probably because she's just a little and this is what I was wondering and um 
this may be off topic on topic but um i almost so the thing is about this script it doesn't really give you a lot of insight to the characters like you are in the here and now with them you really don't know anything about their past um but with her being the eldest i almost wonder if there was maybe some idea of a life before all of this just maybe there seems to be such a rebellious shriek in her that's really not in the other two and i'm like is it because that's just who she is as a person or is it there's something just like I, I remember I you know when I texted you I said I don't know what it is but part of me is like okay so we talk about this fake brother that I know we were gonna probably circle back around to yeah I I can't help but wonder I'm like did they lose their first child and that's the reason they're doing all of this like was the brother really w- real yeah I'm I'm unsure I mean I think you could be correct. Is it something where maybe they had a child, something happened, and they decided with their next child that they weren't going to let them experience the world? Because the younger two children seem very complacent in their circumstances. They don't seem to want to rebel. The only thing the the youngest daughter really does is she wants to lick her sister all the time. But that, I don't know if that's... Uh, it's not really rebellious because she just thinks that's what she does it to her dad. Oh, that's so weird. The whole thing's so weird. It's such a weird, the licking stuff is weird. Um, but again, she doesn't really understand that it's sexual. Yeah. Really. So it's kind of like, I mean, I, it's kind of like, it's kind of like braiding your sister's hair. It's very <clears throat> normal. If your siblings to like braid your sister's hair, do her makeup or something. That's not sexual. You know, licking your sister is kind of sexual and not to be done. I think I said this before we started, like, officially recording, but I didn't want to... I Usually I watch all the movies twice, and I just couldn't bring myself to watch this one for a second time because I just... Not enough time had passed. Um, So I was watching, like, reviews of it just to kind of refresh my brain. Um... And one review by Renegade Cut on YouTube uh, was, like, comparing it to, like, Sallow or 100 Days of Sodom and its commentary on fascism because, you know, fascism, basically the only reason fascism succeeds is because the public has been either brainwashed or have complacently allowed someone to tell them what what to do. And basically everything's deprived. Like, what the government gives you is what you get. And you don't get anything from anybody else but the government. So you have to rely on it. And, you know, you don't have freedom. You can't have free will. You only get to do what the government says. And Yorgos Lanthimos is like, "Uh, that's not really what I meant by it. He was just, he says it's very surface level. And just built around, like, a singular idea about families and the failure of family structure. And he said it was almost like a like a science fiction idea that he had. So, like, he doesn't really have, like, this bigger picture of this movie. But I think you can take that from this movie. And he actually said that if you knew why the father was doing what he was doing, it would be a completely different film. So a lot of people have attributed it to, like, being a commentary on fascism. But that's not really what he says he says it's very surface level and that he doesn't want you to know why they're doing this 
because that's not really what matters. It's more of the experimentation of like what would happen if you didn't get to know the outside world and all you knew was your family and is family important or is it detrimental? And like, I personally, I had a very happy family life growing up. So I have very positive view on family, but other people had a really shitty family experience. So like I can get, I understand both viewpoints. I mean, maybe I don't understand the bad childhood viewpoint, but I can be empathetic towards it. Um, but yeah, like, so he, he doesn't really want anyone to know about, is the sun real? Is this real? And that's, I, I don't think the sun's real anymore, but I think they could have had one yeah. before. Or maybe they just took her out into the world and maybe some, maybe she got kidnapped or something when she was a kid. And they're like, never again. And that was actually one of my questions was, why did the parents do that? Yeah. Which is, yeah. he doesn't want us to know. I also got the feeling, I know I, I talked with you a little bit about this, and I, I mean, it really, this is one of those movies that it really doesn't matter. I know that sounds awful. Like, it's fun to talk about, but at the end of the day, there's there's no real reason on like, oh, well, this was written for you to question it. I don't think it was. Um, but I can't help but wonder, I'm like, the father is abusive. Like, he's abusive towards the children, yes, but he's really abusive towards the mom, too. And that's not something I feel like a lot of reviews touch upon. Is he, though? I don't feel like he was. She seems just as into it as he is. Well, yeah, but no, I mean, but I feel, I... Like, I feel like there's a level of brainwashing there. Because, like, when he starts talking about, like, you should be watching the children better. And he's like, don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> and do you, like, remember? No, he says don't cry because the children will see it. Yeah, but it's like he he doesn't. It's like he expects her to do everything with the children. She's not leaving the compound. Like, she's literally calling him to even ask for chocolate and just stuff like that. Well, yeah, but that's just because, I don't know, Just I, I guess I think about it like, you know, people that really, really had to quarantine, one person gets chosen to go to the grocery store. Yeah. She made, I feel like she made the choice to stay at the compound. They said one of us gets a job and brings in food. And one of us stays with the children. And she seems to have consciously made that decision. I, I don't think she's brainwashed. Because she comes up with the thing about, ooh, I should have triplets. And then the dog. Like, she is having, she's also the one who's recording the vocabulary lessons at the beginning. So, I don't think she's a victim in this. I, I, I she just seems like she's just as complacent. And I, I view them both as equal, uh, tormentors i think he has a more active i don't know she does some really shitty things to these kids and she seems to enjoy it she doesn't yeah. even seem to be sad when she's getting her daughter ready to bang her son like she seems cool with it like i i think she's completely complacent and complicit and i think she is an active member of this torture yeah and i don't mean it like i think she's a good person or anything like that but I just feel like he's more of the mastermind. Like, she may do things. Maybe. But yeah, but it's like he's probably the one who... I, I, I feel like if there was ever a prequel to this movie, there wouldn't be. But if there ever was, I feel like he's <laughs> the one to come up with this idea. Like, something just right. tells me that it's him. Yeah, but also I feel, I feel like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I also feel like they seem to... Uh, if anybody has any kind of compassion for each other in this family, they seem to have a more 
equal relationship than they do with any of their children. And they do seem to like, like they actually have sex because they like having sex. Like he does have that weird mechanical sex with his wife once, but then they're also like watching porn topless and stuff. So like, obviously they have a healthy sex life. Uh, They just are psychopaths. Um, It's kind of like, I don't know, serial killers having sex over a dead body or something. Like, it's very morbid and creepy. I'm Um, also wondering what they're listening to on the headphones. Like, I'm like, is it mood music? Like, is it... You can hear... No, I think it was, like, sex music, but they didn't want their kids to listen to it. Also, like... Oh, the other thing is, like, which is why I think people maybe think it's, like, fascism, is, like, they have to militaristically, like, get ready for every dinner... Like, they have to get dressed up for dinner. It's like it's like Gilmore Girls on Friday night dinners. Like, they have to dress a certain way. And uh, it just reminds me of, like, the Von Trapp children before Maria came into their lives. How they're all just like, yes, must be a perfect robot. Um, they, the dad's like, do you want to listen to your grandfather? And he starts going over to a record. And I was like, are they going to play Frank Sinatra? Because I was just like, if it's Frank Sinatra... I'm just going to laugh. And sure enough, he starts playing Frank Sinatra for them. And he tells them it's his grandfather. And he's translating the English into Greek. And he's saying, like, completely different. He's like, yeah, your grandma just says he really loves you guys. And he's so proud of you guys. And, yeah, it's great. It just was very funny. I was just like, this is weird. But I don't know how I knew it was going to be Frank Sinatra. It was just, I, I don't know, I was very excited. Intu- intuition, intuitive. I guess. Also, everybody likes Frank Sinatra, right? We were talking Dad. about brother and sister sex, so I guess we should touch upon a little bit of the last half of the movie, like the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, so after they get rid of Christina and the brother and sister have to have sex with each other, uh, there's some great scenes where the where Bruce, the oldest daughter, just keeps quoting like really good movies like Jaws, and she like pretends to box like Rocky. Um, oh, that's by the way. That was so like crazy. I knew exactly what I didn't even see the VHSs. I didn't see what they were at first because I was like, uh, maybe not paying enough attention because I was disturbed by it. Um, but I totally I was like, oh, she watched Rocky. Because, like, she's doing... It was great. And then she does, like, Jaws. Anyways, so they... So the daughter, like, is, like, quoting all these movies. And she quotes... I can't... I don't remember what movie it's from. Rocky, yeah. Is it from Rocky? Yeah, she... I feel like she quotes Rocky and Jaws verbatim. Like... Oh, no, no, no. No, after she has sex with her brother, she quotes something like, I will kill you, bitch. Yeah, it's like if you mess with if you mess with it's like um it's like if you mess with my clan again, I'll fucking kill you, bitch. And I actually oh, was it Braveheart? I was wondering that too because no, well maybe because I actually looked up that quote and I could not find that direct quote, so I was kind of wondering. But when she said clan, I was like, is it something to do with a Scottish film? And Braveheart does seem like the obvious choice. Okay, so she like she starts quoting all these movies, and then they have a dinner. I think for, I think it was supposed to be for like the parents' anniversary or something. Um, yeah. And uh, they're dressed up for dinner, and the son's playing the guitar, and the two girls are dancing, and the youngest one gets tired and sits down, but the oldest one does the flash dance dance almost verbatim, which I didn't really. I've only seen flash dance once, although it was really good, and I was mad at myself for not seeing it earlier. But I didn't really get it until she was doing like the 
arms in the air, legs running, little in place dance move. I was like, ah, oh, it's flash dance. Um, so she and her parents get cut, and she gets really like manic and like out of breath, and then she eats a bunch of cake, and then <laughs> she goes in the bathroom. Oh my god! So we, I have to say, I don't know. So you probably feel the same way I do. I've seen so many movies. Um, and especially so many scary movies that literally, I mean, sometimes there's like jump scares that will get me, but this scene, the first time she hits herself in the fucking face with the weight, I screamed out loud. I, I went, oh, and I, I, I had to physically look away. I couldn't keep watching. I was like, and then she just kept going back for more. She just, she decides if she's not going to naturally lose her dog tooth. She's ready to leave, and she just hits her. It's like a, I know what, it's a two-pound dumbbell, because I have one of those. And she just, like, hits herself in the face with it, and there's just blood everywhere. And she just keeps going until it falls out. And then she quietly, she leaves the tooth there, and quietly walks to her dad's car, and gets in the trunk. And just closes the trunk, and then everyone, why did they not look in the trunk? I'm glad she got out. If she survived and all, but why didn't they look in the car? <laughs> like it was parked inside. They like look yeah. everywhere, but they don't look in the car trunk. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's all right. I guess um, they were so frantic that they forgot their own rules that you have to travel by car to be safe. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so do, do you think she survived? Oh God! It is so open ended. Um, I want. She never gets out of the trunk. I want to believe she did, but at the same time, with the tone of this movie, I don't feel like that would be something that would happen in that universe. Like I, I know. Assume... No, good. No, I um, I mean, I think the thing with, I think the sickening thing about them teaching them the wrong vocabulary words too is, let's say Bruce survived, she literally would not be able to function in the world because everything she knows is wrong like basically are wrong yeah i mean she i mean i i think if she like if a social worker took her in or like if she got help you know but you're an adult by that point so i don't know what they do for you if you're an adult but like if a if a child was found like that you would definitely have a social worker who would take care of you and maybe get you counseling if they could although i don't know about greece i'm assume they have social uh social work uh human services i'm sorry health and human services i assume they have a department like that in greece but i don't really know because again their economy has been kind of down the tube and apparently they have a lot of unrest in greece but it's a beautiful country um (laughs) but I don't know, but if you're an adult, I, I don't I don't know if anyone would be able to help you. I feel like she would be taken advantage of very much. Um, but yeah, I kind of, as soon as she shut the trunk, I was like, oh, she's going to suffocate. Which, I don't know, it depends on the car. Some cars, you can breathe. Some cars, like, I know the car my parents had, I used to, like, for fun, this sounds really bad, but I, did, I for one thing, people knew where I was. They knew I was out in the front yard. But I just decided I went to lock myself in the trunk. But, like, I knew how to open the, like, seat. 
to get out to escape like i just thought it was i was like playing like i was a spy and i'm stowing away and then i'm gonna get out but you know if i had been stupid or unlucky and something didn't open then i would have suffocated and i was thinking about there was like a kid i can't remember where it was but there was a kid who got stuck in his trunk and had his cell phone with him and called the cops but they couldn't oh. find the car in time, and he, like, suffocated to death. I read that. Um, I went down the rabbit hole recently, and Taylor was like, stop. Like, please stop. Because I would be like, oh, my God, honey. And, like, I would, I was reading about these weird deaths, and some of them were so disturbing, I had to, like, vocally tell him, like, the death right. I was reading about. Like, yeah. and that's one of the ones on there. It was, he was in his high school parking lot. Yeah, and, and, and they couldn't find the car. yeah. Like, which I, I mean, like, it's just a bad situation. I don't think anyone did anything wrong. They were trying yeah. to find him. But, I mean, just don't go in your trunk and don't go places without telling people. That, like, that particular one, his his mother and father found him. Oh, yeah. That's awful. Yeah, and that's where, it's stories like that that I'm like, you know what, maybe the government's tracking me, but I don't care. I rarely have my GPS on my phone. Oh. I usually have my GPS and my location on because if something happens to me and I don't have self-signal, I want them to be able to find my body. Um, so, yeah. No, I do the same thing because I'm like, like, oh, this is awful. But, you know, that's what my boyfriend always says. I'm like overreacting. I'm like, but am I? Because this happened and this happened. So I just, I need for myself, my own sanity to just believe this is okay you know i don't know but yeah it's 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 left very open-ended she never gets out of the trunk so that we see she could yeah. maybe she is alive um i hope she's alive but i'm like when she didn't get out of the trunk i was thinking it was like a parasite ending where it was like yeah it's never gonna happen kids That's, you know but uh yeah i mean it's a, it's a well-made movie but it is very rough to get through and there are some moments of levity but also like there's just it's so disturbing and like everything is just very dark so this was a rough one um i do Real think good i was about to say how did you feel about like uh so i was thinking about this earlier i wanted to bring it up because you were talking about how like the brother really didn't have emotion like when he w was having intercourse with his older sister or with Christina but that kiss that he planted on the younger sister's lips that kind of seemed romantic yeah I wonder if they I don't know I did I did for one of my questions say like do you think they're gonna stay and stay together is he gonna sleep with her now um, the only kind of, um, it's interesting that you brought up um, shit I'm losing my words tonight um that was about fascism or that it could possibly be a metaphor for fascism. Cause the only thing I found out that uh, some people think this movie is a metaphor is censorship. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's definitely something to be said about censorship and just depriving people of living their lives. Yeah. And I also like all the reviews I watched, everyone just assumed that she's still alive in the trunk. But I'm like, do people not know that you can suffocate in a trunk? Like, air runs out. Like, that's why it's really bad when people get buried alive accidentally. Because oxygen does run out eventually. So, I thought, I was like, am I being dark-natured? Because usually I'm 
pretty optimistic, but I was like, oh, she's dead. Oh, she yeah. is very dead. Uh, when she didn't open the trunk. Like, I thought, like, I was like, oh, I don't know how long you can survive in a trunk. It could be minutes. It could be hours, depending on, I think in the whole car. If the whole car was, like, buried, I think you could probably survive for, like, a day. Because it's a bigger thing. But, I don't know, a trunk is pretty small. I guess it depends how airtight that trunk is, too. Yeah, but I could, you know, we could imagine for hours about, like, what does this mean? But I think, I think censorship's legit. I think you could, I think that's closer to what he meant than the fascism thing. I don't think he was really honing into fascism. But I think that censorship is a huge part of fascism. Like, you look at, like, China and North Korea, which they're more of dictatorships than fascism, but... uh you know censorship is a huge thing when it comes to dictatorships and fascism and certainly if we're if it's a symbol for fascism or a symbol for censorship the parents are the censors or the fascists and the children are the citizens um i mean they are in their own little town there's also a lot of dog imagery and cat imagery the cat we kind of glossed over the cat because i thought that was gonna be the worst part it ended up not being the worst part yeah they cut away now, I will say something. I've watched um, three Yar- Yargos, Lamb, uh, Lamb, 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 the It's like the speech impediment. It's a struggle. Lamb, Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was just like, because it's a long name. I've been struggling <laughs> typing it because and it's I a very my, my long tongue, name. My tongue gets like caught and I can't say certain words and Taylor will even like sometimes try to practice with me. That's besides the point. Um, oh, that's sweet, though. I have trouble, like, I think faster than my mouth can catch up. And yeah. I I notice it so much editing that I'm like, oh, the f- what the fuck are you saying, Katie? Because I'm just like, <laughs> I don't finish sentences. Like, just did it. I don't finish sentences because my brain skips to the next thing before my mouth can catch up. And, like, my brain thinks I've already said that. So then I'm just like... Damn. So we all we all have speech. Speech is weird. Uh, it, it's hard. Um, <laughs> and I do that too, where I think I think faster than I speak. I, I feel you there for sure. Um, but I watched three of his movies, and I know I said that earlier, where I've seen the favorite. I've seen um, mm-hmm. I've the Lobster, and I've seen this movie. And I don't know if it's something in all of his movies. I'm really curious now. But in the three movies I have seen, there is scenes of animal abuse in every one of those movies. I don't think there is in this the killing of a sacred deer. I could be wrong. Um, but there there is a theme of animal abuse because like in the title. So I don't know, maybe he really cares about animals and therefore thinks it's like the worst thing you can do. Or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I, I feel like it's more symbolic because he seems to be one of those people that presents really bad situations in a darkly comic way but he doesn't seem to be devoid of emotion like yeah. he seems to be trying to say something um and i feel like touching upon the cat scene um and hopefully these are the type of spoilers that people would want to hear so you don't see he takes some scissors to the cat you don't no, no, see not him. scissors they're like lawn shears they're lawn like shears. this big oh my god I was yeah. like, no! But it doesn't show anything, but you do no. hear the cat's dying wails. So I yeah. feel like 
that could be triggering to some people. It definitely. Also, the cat was blind, the real life cat. I assume they didn't actually kill the cat. Oh, yeah. Although I, I didn't read anything to the contrary, but I'm like, I'm assuming they didn't actually kill the cat. Um, the the real life cat was blind, which is why it didn't run away when the guy came at her with pruning shears. Um, I was like, oh, that's that's a good idea. That's great. Um, but what also saved it is honestly the cat. You see it after it's been killed, and it looks really fake. Yeah, it kind of looked like the cat in Reanimator, and I laughed a little bit. Um, that was part of the. I was like, <laughs> that looks really fake. So I was like, who? Because. The yeah. only violence I really knew about was the animal violence because you had said it. You were like, oh, yeah, there's scenes of animal violence. And I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, oh, that wasn't the worst part. I mean, yeah. it wasn't good, but you didn't actually see it. So then, like, the v- VHS thing happened and they just show everything. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I, I don't know. Something about, like, kids getting beaten by their parents just deeply i just do not like i mean i don't think anyone really likes seeing it i'm just like it really got to me um yeah there's another thing there's euros lanthimos i guess if we're kind of getting off the plot uh he's a very singular director i i really think he's extremely talented i don't think he hasn't won an oscar for directing but he's been nominated several times Four times, yes. And he's also been nominated. This movie, surprisingly, got nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. And it was the first Greek movie to be nominated in, like, ten years or something. Um, so, Or maybe that was at the Cannes Film Festival. But it was, like, the first Greece, Greek film in a really long time to be nominated for an Academy Award. It didn't win, but it did get nominated. Which I found weird, because, like, a lot of my movies, they're like, oh, that's... Like, Hereditary got ignored... Uh, the lighthouse gets ignored, but they're like, but Dogtooth, let's definitely nominate Dog. I'm like, is it because it was foreign language film and they had less movies to choose from? Because, or do they have more? Is it harder? I wonder how many applicants they get on foreign language versus like just best picture. Is it worse or? Would you think that they would get like one from every country at least? Well, not every country produces professional academy award movies like think about like um uh what do they call it is it hollywood what do they call it bollywood no 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 no, no, not bollywood uh in the congo from like who saved captain who killed captain alex oh oh my god have you ever heard of that movie Uh uh-uh oh my god so there's there's like a phenomenon in some african nations a lot of horror places that they don't really have access to like a real movie theater and they kind of make their own um movies and they have this thing where they have a like a movie dj who it's like having a running commentary track built into the movie like there's no way to watch it without this guy doing commentary track um and i'm trying to see what uh country it's from uganda uh what do they call it though? Oh, I am like Wakaliwood. 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 What? Wakaliwood. And this has been around way before Wakanda. And although, I mean, not the comic Black Panther, but before the movie Black Panther came out. Wakaliwood. They're not, I wouldn't say they're good movies. Like, they're basically like movies being made in your backyard 
but by adults and by like communities in Uganda and other like more separated from more no I don't want to say third world countries but like second world countries that sounds really mean but you know like places that are distant from Hollywood so like I don't think you're allowed to put a Wakaliwood movie in because it probably didn't show in actual cinemas because they don't have an actual cinema where it was made uh, but yeah Who Killed Captain Alex is a movie to see it's like it's it just makes you smile because it's like an action movie and it's just like this community trying to make something like I don't know it's just really good it's just this this I don't know it's 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 very like they're they're all such nice people and they're all just a community trying to make this movie just to have something to do as a distraction and it's it's really, and like you see like people living in poverty and they're just like but we're gonna make this awesome movie Aww. so it's really good like it's I would highly suggest watching I, I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube but you can also buy it from them and you know support them making other movies but who killed Captain Alex is like the big hit that came out of that genre of movies um, but so like I bet there's a lot of countries that have stuff like that that maybe don't fit into the rules. But I don't know if they have as strict rules with foreign films as they do with American films. Like, American films, like, you have to screen it in a theater for so many weekends. I think it's at least one weekend. Yeah. Um, at least in so many theaters. Uh, I think that's the biggest rule to overcome. I think after that, they don't care as much. But I don't know if they have that rule for foreign films. Because if you live in a foreign country that maybe they don't have cinemas. Which I can't, I can't imagine other than like Uganda, like Who Killed Captain Alex. Where it was like a community making a movie. I can't imagine that many circumstances where like a country has the opportunity to make a film and not screen it in a cinema. Because I feel like. If your country, if people in your country have the time to make a movie, which is, you know, entertainment, they probably have a cinema because if, if you're worrying, if you, like, if you're a third world nation, you probably don't have time to worry about making a movie, you know, I don't know, but like Bollywood movies don't really get nominated very often either. Yeah. And uh, Bollywood, it's like. I think it's, like, the second biggest in the world. In fact, or it could be bigger than our Hollywood cinema. Like, it could be. I mean, be it's a very populated nation, so, yeah. yeah. I like Bollywood movies. I mean, I don't, like, they're a little, <laughs> I've watched a few. There's an Indian restaurant I like to go to, and they constantly play Bollywood movies while you eat dinner. And there was one guy in particular that is, I don't know his name. I've never been able to figure out what movie it is. But they've shown, like, one movie, like, a bunch of times when I've been there throughout the years. And there's, like, the same kind of core group of actors in a lot of these movies. And I'm like, it's that guy from that other one we saw. But they're just very, like, entertaining. Um, but they're, they're, they're not, like, like, you can't, you don't usually, you're not able to, uh, what am I trying to say? It's hard to call them, like, one genre. Because, like, most Bollywood movies that I've seen is, like, it's a drama it's a romantic comedy. It's a musical. It's a dance movie. And, like, it's everything in one movie because apparently in Bollywood, like, they're like, put everything in it. And that doesn't, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's, I think, uh, confusing for American audiences to, like, 
I think we're kind of snooty where we're like, oh, yes, this, we, we want to put things in categories. Yeah. Like, I would comedy, that. drama. Um, and, like, I, I often kind of wonder why we don't have, like, the Golden Globes, I think, I think they still have this, where they have um, best comedy or musical, best drama. Like, they don't just have best movie. And I, li- I personally like that because... I think there's movies like, like I don't think La La Land was the best movie of that specific year, uh, which it ended up not winning anyways because Moonlight won. But I always get confused because of was it Faye Dunaway who read that wrong? Oh, yeah. poor Faye Dunaway. Um, but like I, I think like it would be nice to have a drama category and a musical cat music or comedy. I would love to just have a musical category, but there's not enough musicals to do that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of comedies and horror movies get shunned by the Oscars, even though they're yeah. just as good. But I don't know if it's good, better or worse. Because maybe it would make people work less hard if they had multiple categories. Maybe they would settle. I guess that's what the Emmys try to do, is by having those different categories. Yeah. And the, and the Golden Globes does it, too. I don't know if the BAFTAs does it. I don't think they do, but they might. Because I feel like the BAFTAs does TV and movies, like, all at once. Um, forgive me, I don't live in England. So <laughs> I've seen clips of the BAFTAs, and I like seeing who wins them. Because I generally seem to agree with it more than, uh, <laughs> than the Oscars. De- I mean, it depends on the year. Some Oscars years, I'm like... What were people thinking? Uh, I think the hard way with the Oscars is that I usually always know what's going to get Best Picture. And my favorite of the movies nominated for Best Picture is not the one to win Best Picture. Like, every year I have a favorite movie. And every year I'm like, this is my favorite of the nominations for Best Picture. Wait. But I know it's not going to win. So What about this year? What was your favorite then? Oh, this was hard. This was a great year for movies. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I thought it no, was. No, it really was. Yeah, um, I, you know what, off the top of my head, it's really hard, but I really did like Marriage Story. I still haven't seen Marriage Story. I know it's on Netflix, so I can watch it at any point. I just haven't sat down and watched it. I haven't really felt like watching a depressing marriage fall apart. It's kind of funny, though. It's not, it's not like, it. I mean, there's sadness in it, but it's also, there's a lot of funny. There's a lot of levity. Um, Maybe okay. because I, I'm, I'm a child of twice divorced parents so parents that got divorced got remarried and got divorced again oh uh, no wait <laughs> they married each other twice oh mm-hmm. so i mean maybe i don't know maybe i saw a little bit more of the realness to that movie um i loved it i thought right. it was amazingly acted written and directed so which one was better boyhood or a marriage story Oh, hell yeah, marriage story. Because <laughs> I told you, I couldn't get through Boyhood. I was like, this is just insufferable. Like, I, like, I don't think. I like Boyhood because I feel like the main character, we kind of grew up in the same era as him. And there's a lot of things in his childhood that I was like, oh, look at the posters on his wall. Those were the same posters on my wall. However, I think the gimmick behind Boyhood was the yeah. main reason people like Boyhood so much. It took 12 years to make, you guys. I'm like, I don't care. Is it an entertaining movie? And it wasn't, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, boyhood. Um, but yeah, your, so Yorgos Lanthimos hasn't been able to win an Oscar, but he has been nominated four times. 
And I was, so I've only seen, I've seen parts of the the Oscars, the lobster, but I haven't actually sat there and watched the whole thing. I keep about to, and then something happens that I don't. Um, But I have seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I've seen enough scenes from The Lobster. I don't know if The Favorite does this, so you'll have to tell me if it does or not. But all three of these movies, Dogtooth, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and uh, The Lobster, they all have this rhythm and canter and tempo to them, how everybody talks. And it's very much like, hello, what would you like for breakfast today? I could have the toast or I could have the avocado. Which one would you like to choose? The avocado. Excellent idea. Absolutely. And it's very strange. And the first time I saw The Killing of a Sacred Deer, I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, it's it's just people don't really talk like that anymore. Yeah. And I was like, but in, like I'm not I'm not saying like just because English isn't your first language means you gotta talk weird. I'm just saying, is it a language barrier thing? Is it easier for him to direct people in English like this, or is it like a direct choice? Because I had never seen a movie in his native tongue, and I wasn't sure. Because some some people like uh, there's a couple people in some of the Indiana Jones movies that did not speak English and learned all of their lines phonetically, and therefore had no idea what they were saying and you can tell like you could like the, they just say things very weirdly and you're just like huh doesn't really sound like they know what they're saying because they don't but he does the same thing in dog tooth so it's like oh okay because yeah. i just was like i was like is it a choice or is it because people don't really talk about it as much yeah and the favorite does employ that same kind of feel um, to the movie, but that being said, the favorite maybe is because the favorite is taking place in the past, and I could be wrong about the uh the the century, but I think it's like the seventeenth century is our eighteenth century is taking place in. Um, but they do have that way of talking, but it feels more natural. Um, probably because of the era and because it's a historical piece. I will say the favorite is also the most normal of his movies I've seen. Yeah, he's gotten progressively more normal as he's gone on also the favorite he did not write someone else wrote the favorite oh so, yeah oh who what oh was somebody like i just saw something by them recently and i was like oh they wrote the favorite let me look up who it is but yeah it's he has this very specific tempo that all the actors talk in now i will say Dogtooth was more lax about it than his other movies were and i again i don't speak greek so I don't know if I wasn't picking up on it because I am not a native speaker. Um, but I did notice it in certain scenes. Like, I think I noticed it more in like the scenes where they were quoting movies that I was familiar with because it stuck out to me. That's not how you would say that. Um, whereas like when they were speaking Greek, I was like, I wouldn't know the difference because other than Upa, I, I don't really know much Greek. It's all Greek to me. Um, but... I, I like his, um, Tony McNamara, who also wrote, which I just started watching this week, the miniseries The Great that's on Hulu, which is oh, also a historical oh, fiction. It was um, funny. I saw a trailer for that, and I was like, this reminds me of The Favorite. That is hilarious. I love it. It's really, <laughs> I haven't finished it, but it's very good. I love historical fiction, which is why it has killed me. That I have not seen the favorite yet because I was really excited to see it. And it's just I didn't get to go see it in theaters. 
And the day I was going to sit down and watch it, it went off whatever platform I was going to watch it on. It was like the, the day it went off. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I was going to watch it finally. So I will pay for it and watch it eventually. Um, but yeah, so Tony McNamara wrote The Favorite. So, I, you know, maybe that's why. Because pretty much Yorgos Lanthimos does tend to um, write and direct. But he, like, co-wrote Dogtooth. He wasn't the only person that wrote Dogtooth. He co-wrote it. But it came out of an idea, like, his friends were getting married. And he was, like, talking about, like how families always fail and stuff and do you even need a family? And that's where the idea came from for Dogtooth. But I, I like that he's movies, like there is definitely a trademark. Like the characters are going to talk like this. There's going to be some absurdist comedy. It's going to be like, it's not magical realism, but it's just, it's like an alternate fantasy reality. Like a lot of his movies, like people will say it's like a fantasy thriller. Like the lobster, because yeah, people don't really turn into lobsters in real life. But in the movie, if you don't find a mate, you can choose to be a lobster. Yeah. And maybe find a mate then. Or then do they eat you? Again, I haven't seen all of it. I've just seen enough of it to be dangerous with it. Also, love that he's giving Rachel Wise some uh, some screen time, because I love her as an actress. She's really, um, really good in his movie, too. Like, she's one of those actresses, I feel like, when you work with certain directors, you have to understand the director you're working with. And I mm-hmm. feel like there's a kinship with them. And she's just great in all the movies I've seen her in. I haven't seen all the way through either of the movies that he's directed her in. But I love her. But yeah, Rachel Wise also was in one of my favorite movies that I've watched a billion times about a boy, which Tony Collette was in as well. Uh, whoever, I don't remember who directed about a boy, but whoever directed about a boy really uh, knew some strong female talent before everybody else knew that they were talented. Uh, Cause he really took it. I don't know if it was a chance, but like that movie, they're both just amazing in that. Yeah. But he's just a very, Yorgos Lanthimos is a very singular director. He has a very distinct style that carries into all of his movies. Although they're all very vastly different and they're set in different universes. I think the lobster and the killing of a sacred deer are probably the closest related to each other. Because they're both very fantasy movies. Not really. There's some. There's an element to the movie that's fantastical. Like Sacred Killing. I always want to say Sacred Killing of a Deer. But it's the killing of a sacred deer. It has. Have You You haven't seen it yet have you? I haven't. I see it's on Netflix. And I was like I need to watch that one. But I have not yet seen it. I would, it's really good. It's less disturbing than Dogtooth. But very. I'm not going to say anything else. But. Uh, it's it's very depressing because it's a bunch of people unable to move, um, but everyone talks in that weird tempo that he gives them, and because of it, it kind of takes this really awful, depressing weight of a plot and kind of distances you from it, so you can view it like it's almost like putting a glass uh, case a glass case between you and what's happening because you can kind of take a step back and view it instead of like getting sucked into it, which sounds bad, but I think it kind of, it's almost like a condom. It just kind of keeps you safe from this depressing ass movie. But maybe it just, maybe they were trying to go for something Shakespearean with like the tempo and how everybody talks, but no, it's just like, that's how he likes to direct his actors. And I'm sure it's a conversation 
because you don't naturally talk like that. Um, but I'm glad that's in Dogtooth because it's nice. Like, it's definitely his signature that you can tell. Dark humor. I don't know. A lot of people comment on the dark, dark humor, but I don't really see people talk about how people talk. And that sticks out the most in his movies for me. I'm just like, why is everyone talking like this? Please explain it to me. Yeah. But it fits. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? Oh, <laughs> one of my questions was, was this movie worth all the terribleness? <laughs> I think I, I think we both said, yeah, it's a good enough movie that it's okay. What is there anything else you like you had thoughts before we go to like ratings and stuff? No, not really. I think we we um we we covered a lot of it. Um there's things that like I think are interesting. I mean, I don't think that he purposely was like, I'm going to put this scene in the movie to, for people to talk about. But I, I I, was just wondering, the very first time I watched it, I was just sitting there, I was like, wh- why is she cutting off the feet of her dolls and screaming? Like, I know, I thought that was going to come back. I thought she was going to cut somebody's hand off or something. I yeah. was like, what's happening? Or something, there's like one. some traumatic event that like, you know, that led her to doing that. Like, I don't know, I don't really know the purpose of that scene other than to be weird. And sometimes I'm like, is there a deeper thing here? Or is it just weird to be weird because this family is sheltered? I don't know. So. Or is it just because it was, this was only his, I think it was his third movie completely, but his second feature film. I wonder if he was just trying stuff. Some critic had brought up, and I thought it was really, really interesting. Because it's not something I always consciously think about when I'm watching a movie. Um, especially for the first time. But the way things are framed is so unique. Uh, so when he's usually framing his subjects, usually like the feet are cut off or like the top of the head's cut off. So you yeah. really very rarely see the full body in any shot. He does do that. I, I yeah. was wondering if it was to kind of make them less personable. So you can kind of put yourself in their situation or if it was just to make it less awkward. Mm-hmm. Does he do that in other movies? I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I noticed that a lot in this movie. I'm glad you brought it up because I forgot to say anything about it. But he does like, I kept being like, why is everyone cut off? It almost was like, there were some scenes where like people were cut off, but then they would move yeah. into the scene, which, uh, what's, oh my gosh. Sam Esmail does that a lot on Mr. Robot. I don't know if he does it on Homecoming because I haven't watched Homecoming yet. But on Mr. Robot, he does a lot of like, he'll do close-ups, but he'll start somebody, like he'll start somebody's monologue. They'll be in the back of a scene and they'll walk to the camera and then it'll turn into this awesome close-up and it'll be really uncomfortable. Um, Or like they'll start out really close and they'll move and somebody else will move. So like... I, don't, I wonder if that's just something he likes to do, do or if it's something it's more of uh, maybe it's maybe he only had one camera. So maybe I feel like I maybe read that he did only have one camera lens. Oh, so maybe I, it was more of that. Did you read too on wiki that um, a lot of like this movie was help made with volunteers? Did you see that? Oh, no, that's cool, though. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. That makes sense. I bet. I mean, it seems like it's a very like homegrown kind of movie. Like all the actors seem like people. They don't really seem like actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Either I, I think either one's interesting. It still looks good. He yeah. only had one camera. It, he made it look amazing. So I mean, I think he's a really good director. I'm glad he gets nominated 
Um, he hasn't, I feel like he's lost to people I generally like. So I'm not sure if I would, I'm upset that he hasn't won an Academy Award because he's only done like four major movies. This was his yeah. first, he's done like six movies, I think. And he did used to do a lot of like, he, he helped apparently, uh, I saw this on Wikipedia, help with the 2004 Olympics. Like he was on their like broadcasting team or whatever. Like, yeah. like did, you, did you hear uh, or did you read that his father was like an athlete and pretty famous one at that? Oh, that's cool. And no, I didn't know that. That's cool. So I w- that would make sense why he was on their Olympics. Like if he was helping out for your dad's like a sports celebrity, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he probably knew everybody. There are a lot of interviews with him, but they're all about the favorite or killing of a sacred deer, pretty much. Sometimes the lobster. But I think the lobster kind of, like, people watched it, but I think a lot of people watched it in festivals and then on demand. I don't think a lot of people watched it in theaters because I don't think it got as wide of a distribution. The favorite, everyone seemed to like. And he has gotten, like... I, I like that he's gotten more normal as he's gotten older. And I'm not saying, like, normal is good, but he still has his voice. He ha- he still directs things in his style. Um, but he's making things more palatable. It's like what I said about Gaspar Noe. I wish his visual style and how he makes movies is so passionate and is really cool and unique. But he makes these movies that are just a fuck you to the audience. And it's like, but don't you want people to see your movies? And, you know, I get... Like, we we were in college for theater. We did some messed up plays. And I think there's a time and a place for messed up plays. And I don't think it necessarily has to do with age. There's a play I've always wanted to do called Buried Child. Oh, Um, a buried child. Fucked up. I wanted... It's a Sam Shepard play. God rest your soul, Sam Shepard. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning play. It's amazing. Buried Child is like... Please, someone do Buried Child, because I just want to be in that play. I will be the bitchy mom for all I care. I just want to be in that play. Um, but what was I saying about it? What was I saying about Oh, there's time and a place for, like, creepy-ass plays and movies. But I think it's nice to make movies that everybody enjoys, too. Like, Parasite, I don't think... I, mean, I think I said this about Parasite. It, it didn't pull any punches... But it was palatable to the general audience. And that's why it was so popular. Yeah. So, I mean, but there's, I also don't think people should, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Because then you're like, but then are you like hurting your creative freedom by putting yourself in a box? But I think Yorgos Lanthimos has done a really good job of keeping his individuality. But, you know, making his way into more mainstream stuff. Because I, I bet people would not believe that somebody... Directed both Dogtooth and The Favorite. Yeah. So ratings, I would definitely give this, if I'm recommending this to people, Gore is 5 out of 5 because they do not cut away. It's not even that bloody, but it's just very shocking. Yeah. Uh, Watchability. I said, without the gore scenes, definitely a 3. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to leave it at a 3 because then I was like, with them, 1. But then I'm like, I don't know. I feel like if you like film you could probably enjoy this movie. So I'm going to give it a three. Direction's definitely a four because it's good. And acting was a three. Like, no one was standout, but they seemed like real people. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Out of ten stars, 
I want to give it a six just because, like, I can't recommend it to people. But it's really well made. But I just, it's just really unwatchable. Like, I couldn't bring myself to watch it a second time. Could you? I I probably could, but not, okay, not for sheer enjoyment. Like, I wouldn't just be like, I'm going to watch Dogtooth tonight. But if, like, someone was like, I'm watching Dogtooth for the first time, and I, like, had a bowl of popcorn and my phone in my hand, I'd probably sit down in the room with them. Yeah. Yeah, I even, like, I didn't take notes as I was watching it because I usually take notes the second time so I can pay attention to it the first time. And that's why, like, I had to, like, scramble today and, like, I was, like, writing stuff down, like, what else? Oh, like, there was even, like, I completely forgot about this. There was even, like, a really good line where, like, when they're at the dog training facility, he's like, do you want a friend or an animal? And I was like, oh, like, his children that he treats like animals. <laughs> yeah. Which I think was a reference to Sallow, which is what the guy in the YouTube video that I referenced earlier said. Um, but yeah, what would you rate it out of 10? I would say like a six and a half, maybe seven at the highest. Um, I, I feel like it takes a lot for me just to give a film a bad rating because usually I can appreciate any movie. Now, there's some movies that are just awful. Uh, they just suck. But this movie, I could appreciate what he was doing I just didn't necessarily like it yeah I mean that's like I just didn't enjoy it it was kind of like climax but I enjoyed climax more yeah honestly at least climax had some cool visuals and like the dance sequences are really cool like it's enjoyable up until yeah. it's not I and feel like I know see I kind of feel different I feel like this was the easier of the two films between this and climax for me huh. and maybe it's because climax is that one that one kind of tracking angle so you really don't feel like you get a break and with dogs yeah. there is some breaks but they also cut away when it gets really violent mm -hmm. and then like they come back like when they show like uh what's her face lou like cutting her arm but then they kind of cut away when she because you don't know like why there's blood on her hands she just brings her hands up so like I don't mean, but they do show a girl with her hair on fire. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know why I was okay with that one. But what was your rating for, like, rate this, like, uh, phrase uh, rating? Uh, what are we going to name this episode? We're probably going to have to go with your, you're probably going to have to come because the only I don't I have one. <laughs> Katie, this one's really, really bad. Um, I uh, I was thinking rated L for licking the keyboard. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Gosh. So bad. <laughs> like, I just. The keyboard thing, when she said she called it a keyboard, like, yeah. it just stuck out to me. And my mind could not get off the keyboard word. Um, <laughs> let's see. Rated. There's so many offensive things in this movie. It's hard to come up with something that doesn't evolve around something. I know. Okay, so we're going to, I guess, we're going to rate it. This was a, a group effort this time. We're going to rate it. Rated S for sparkly sexual hand head. And so we we've named our episode barely, but we named it. And um, I guess if we hate it, we can just change it, and it'll be fine. Um, so that's what tentatively it's rated S for sparkly sexual headbands. Um, but I think Brittany, it's your turn to choose a movie. So, so what do we want to watch? Were you up to, um, did you want to do Under the Silver Lake? This yes. Out? Okay. Yes. I love that movie. Where is it uh, streaming on? 
Amazon Prime, it was. Okay. Okay, so we may be doing a double feature of Under the Silver Lake, and it follows. Unless it takes too long. Let's, what, okay, let's plan on doing it. Because he's only, this is his only two movies, I yeah. think. What it's is the two I've heard of, anyway. David Robert Mitchell, that is the director's name. No, I, I mean, yeah, that's basically his only two big movies. He's done two other, like, independent movies. I think, with that being said, we're going to have to let you guys go until next time. Until next time. So stay lovely and watch some movies and stay safe out there, kids. Love you. Love you. Be safe, everyone. Looking forward to next week. Bye. Watch, watch the movies. We believe they're streaming on Amazon Prime and maybe Netflix. Watch your movies, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. Okay, okay. bye. Hey. Thanks for listening. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is recorded by Brittany Rank and Katie Gale and edited by Katie Gale. Uh, if you have any inquiries or questions for us, please visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. All rights reserved.